Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hello guys. Well, in today's episode, we are going to be hearing from a listener a what I want you to know about adopting from the foster care system. We're going to be answering a listener question about a husband who's resistant to getting a vasectomy And in our psychology and pop culture segment, we're going to be talking about coaching and asking the question, is life coaching the new multi-level marketing scheme? We'll talk more about that in a sec. But first, I'm going to do a mental health check-in with Matthias. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. Well, how has your mental health been this past week? You know, it's been anxious. Yeah? (laughs) I've had a really anxiety like filled a week in the sense of um some things went down a couple weekends ago with a friend that were like just concerning enough that it warranted a conversation right Mm -hmm. like a a sense of like we need to talk about this at some point Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but we couldn't have the conversation until you know later on in the week uh, and so I spent like all of this past week up until like we had the conversation on Saturday, like worried and anxious about this conversation. Mm. <laughs> What's going to happen? What are the things we're going to need to talk about? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if you have that experience of like 100%. any hard conversation yeah. is just one where I'm like, this will probably end our friendship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. When that's not, I mean, I know it's not going to, but like my body feels that that sense of like, what if it all goes horribly wrong? Um, mm. Yeah. So I, I've been in that place. Thankfully, you know, the conversation happened on Saturday. It went very, very, very well. That's, you know, released a lot of the anxiety, but but so much of my week was just anticipating, preparing for, you know, thinking through <laughs> Yeah. All my responses, like, yeah, just on and on and on. So, you know, that's a hard one, though, because I do think that in some situations, a hard conversation can be friendship ruining. Sure. Like, I've had that experience. Yeah, right. Um, And it's tough, especially as a therapist. I'm sure you and I are both of the ilk that, like, let's get it out. Let's talk it through. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that find that very off-putting. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's you know? True. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a lot of people that are just like, no thanks. I would rather communicate solely through passive aggressive jabs for the rest of our friendship. And if you confront me directly, I will bail. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. I, I've had that happen. So I, I get that fear because it, it could it could happen. Yeah. 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 And I, I think yeah, I think that is the hard part of, of like knowing the risks that are inherent with any hard conversation and and knowing like they can escalate <laughs> to yeah. the point of, you know, irreparable harm. Yeah. Uh, and and also like holding that value of like it's important to talk about things and and I think like in my, you know, <laughs> 
attachment structure, my, like the way I kind of, you know, work with people in the world is one of just anxiety. It's yeah. anxiety based. And so yeah. that's always the fear. Is this relationship going to end because we talk about something? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. That's so hard. I th- I always try to tell myself in those situations that if it does, it needed yeah. to end, right? Like if, if a totally. person can't handle me talking about the elephant in the room or being direct – um, then that is probably not a person that I want to be friends with. Right. But right. also do all of us have the luxury of like just making, you know, having only the ideal friends. Totally. Right. Like, right. cool. And then I have no friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see that with clients all the time where like in some ways the easy therapist thing to say is like, well, can you talk about it with them? Yeah. And, like, people are like, well, yeah, I could, but, like, this is my best friend and I don't want to risk that. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's so I, hard. I had this conversation with one of my kids. One of my kids is in a friendship where there's just some weird click stuff going on and she's included sometimes but not others. And there's been some dishonesty, you know, and I was like, you just need to talk to them and, and tell them how this makes you feel. And she's like, then I'll absolutely not be included. And I was like, I think you're probably right. And that really sucks. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you're right. If you're on the edge of a click and you bring it up, you'll just not be in the click ever. (laughs) Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. It does suck. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. And one would think and hope that in adulthood we'd be over this, right? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Alas. Alas. We are. Yeah. 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 Uh, how how about you? How have you been? Um, my <laughs> my mental health is good, but I wanted to talk about something. This is a bit related to what we talked about last week in that whole question of how much do you reveal to your teens? Right. Because I had something happen. I had um, I had a weed incident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a marijuana incident Yes, <laughs> recently, and I ended up telling my kids about it. So because I did that, I was going to share it on here. Okay, so let me let me walk you back. So, you know, Selfie Podcast, we have a lot of companies that want us to talk about products on the podcast. We do not take products in order, you know, that's not how we work. But nonetheless, our info is out and people will often try to send us stuff in the hopes that we'll talk about it. One of the things that I am mailed at least once a week, is a package of CBD. Like, I am up to my eyeballs in CBD products and samples of, you know, companies just wanting us to talk about CBD because we did a CBD episode. And so now, you know, I'm being showered with CBD. Um, And so I get it. It comes in the mail. You know, I'll take it. Sometimes they're gummies. You know, I'll take them, blah, blah, blah. It's always been CBD. Well, I get a shipment the other day don't pay a ton of attention. It's gummies. I assume it's CBD. I miss a little label. I didn't miss it. I read it. It said Delta 8. I had no oh, idea what Delta yeah. 8 was. Oh, do you know yeah. what it is? I do know what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't. <laughs> Sue. Oh, no. Delta 8, for those who don't know, <laughs> it's a form of THC that is somehow inexplicably legal. Right, which is the mind-boggling part of it. Mind-boggling. And it is very psychoactive. Mm -hmm. They will say it's not, but let me share my experience. This comes in the mail. 
I'm like, oh, CBD, that looks good. The gummies are very large. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a a gummy. And I take one. It's delicious. I look at the milligrams. It's lower than what I usually take. So I take a second. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Think nothing of this. Walk upstairs. Finish my day of work. I'm sitting there working. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. So I lay down. And I'm like, this is so weird. I'm so tired. I lay down, fall immediately to sleep. Then I wake up to an alarm because I have to go pick my kids up. And I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not all the way awake. I'm like still half asleep. Yeah. What is going on with me? I walk downstairs. I start completely freaking out. And I'm not making any connection to the fact that I took these gummies. Mm-hmm. I'm making no connection. And I just think I'm having a psychotic break. And I, in my head, I'm thinking I can't wake up from my nap. I haven't woken up. I go back upstairs. I try to lay down. I think if I fall asleep again and wake up again, maybe I'll wake up all the way. That doesn't work. Walk back downstairs. And at this point, I'm like, I'm so out of it. Mm. Um, I, in an attempt to wake myself further, I slap myself in the face. I take hot sauce and pour it on my tongue. Didn't even feel it. And I don't eat spicy foods. No. So at this point, I'm just freaking out. And I have to go pick my daughters up from school. Thank God my boyfriend walked in the door just at that moment. Mm. I tell him, I'm having a psychotic break. I don't know what's happening. I've lost my mind. And and I am also begging him to take me to the hospital. Yeah. I'm just losing it. Oh. So he's like, okay, why don't you lay down? This is weird. He goes and grabs the kids. He finally comes home. He's like, is there anything you did different today and i'm like well Mm. i took those cbd and so he grabs the package he's like okay he starts googling it he's like okay this is like thc but even in that i still don't believe him i think he's lying to me yeah yeah oh no (laughs) i i i recorded some of this Mm. it's and it's i thought it would be funny like i'm like oh i'm gonna put this on social media it's not funny it's just really sad yeah. I'm just freaking completely out. He calls mm. my friend over who I don't I don't use THC ever. Yeah, right. So he calls my friend over who uses it on occasion to talk me down. Mm-hmm. And they, my boyfriend and my friend are sitting at the end of my bed and I am saying my goodbyes to them. Oh, Christian. <laughs> I am telling them what to do with the kids. Oh, no. I'm telling them how much they meant to me. I'm crying. About the fact that I won't get to see my kids grow up. Mm. Like, I'm beyond. Mm. And my friend is, like, holding my face in her hands. You're fine. You're just really, really high. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I'm in this state for – I do finally get to a point where I believe them. And I even – it got to the point where I was like – I realize that I look ridiculous, uh-huh. you know, like mo- little moments of clarity of like, I realize that I looks really stupid right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, it probably lasted two hours of me just being out of my mind. That's awful. And then I came down and I was so irritated with this company for sending it with no warning, you know, no special right. label. Because, right. you know. In California, THC is legal, right. but it's it's taped, it's wrapped, it's very well marked. Right. This right. just looked like candy. Oh, totally. Yeah, I've seen and I've, I've used Delta 8 in states where, you know, THC 
isn't legal yeah <laughs> and because you can you can just buy it wherever right. which again is mind-blowing to me it's cuckoo. because it is it, right is and it's, it's like a synthetic thc and i am so suspicious of it <laughs> oh my gosh i am too i mean i will never take it again nor do i even think i'll ever take thc again i mean i am obviously one of those people that can't handle herself (laughs) but i did tell my kids this story um just to illustrate like i know you guys think weed is no big deal and everybody does it but like you know i said like if i had been at a party Mm. and i was young like imagine what could have happened to me totally you know Um, or if i had driven my car yep so anyway, that's my story of having a psychotic break. Oh, that's <laughs> horrible. That is awful. In my recording, I was like, I guess I'm not normal anymore, and this is how I am now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anxiety disorder is fun, even oh. when you're high. <laughs> anyway, what do you have for two thumbs up? It better not be Delta 8 gummies. It's... <laughs> No, this is way better than that. So in the selfie Facebook group, yes. we I had a few people be like, why have we never seen pictures of your dog, Matthias? <laughs> so yes. shared some photos of my dog and and someone was like, why don't you share some dog-related stuff for two thumbs up? And Love I, it. That's a great idea. So these are my favorite chew treats. Uh, they're by their brand called Pork Chomps. And I don't know what they are. I think it's like pork skin or something, whatever. But... You know, a lot of dogs, my dog included, is she's very allergic to most things. Uh, she's allergic to chicken. She's allergic to like turkey, like all these different things that are in most dog treats. So she can't have a lot of them. But these pork chumps, they're just, I think they're just pork skin. She loves them. They last her quite a while. She can chew on them for a long time. Uh, and they don't leave any messes. Like, oh, wow. There, I mean, there's so many chews out there that are, like, disgusting. Right. There's, like, a line of slobber, meat slobber. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, these, she can chew them no matter what. Like, she, her favorite place to do it is, like, in my bed. <laughs> I'm wow. I'm like, here you go. Have fun. Like, I mean, they get a little bit gross, but not nearly as gross as, as many other chews. So, two thumbs up for pork chomps, chew treats. They come in different shapes, different sizes, mess-free. My dog loves them. Are you getting her some for Christmas? Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, they're great. They're great. Okay, mine is actually a recommendation from the selfie group. I had come uh-huh. in asking about shoes. You know, we went to Lisbon over Thanksgiving. Right. I am going to New York with the kids um, over Christmas week. Mm. And I really wanted some comfortable walking boots. Um, like you know, several miles walking boots. And so many people said Sorrel, this brand Sorrel, which I've always seen but never bought. So anyway, I ended up buying some Sorrel wedges. They are waterproof. They go up to the ankle because I wanted them to cover the ankle because of cold. Yeah. And they were fantastic. They were really comfortable. I walked really, truly miles in them. Um, And they were great. So I'm Looking forward to taking them to New York with me, too. They are definitely in my new boots. Now, they were really spendy, more than I've ever spent on a pair of shoes. Mm. Um, but they were the only shoes I needed for the whole trip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they will just – they will be my cold weather travel shoes. 
I mean, that's so important. Like to <laughs> to have a pair of shoes that you can wear in the cold, in the wet, yeah, <laughs> and be able to walk in them. Like that's that's worth some money. Well, and one of my travel hacks has been I just try to only travel with one pair of shoes. Oh. Because I do carry on only. Yeah. Same. And shoes take up a ton of space. Oh my gosh, so much space. Especially yep. winter shoes. Yep. I mean, I'll take like, you know, maybe a pair of flip-flops in the summer, but you know, sure. when you're talking winter shoes, I don't have space in my suitcase for two. Right. Right. So, that helped a lot. So anyway, thank you to everyone in Selfie who suggested Sorrel. All right. Our, what I want you to know for today is from Christine Sizinski, and it's about her experience of adopting from the foster care system. Testify. I sat on the witness stand in a dingy Hartford courtroom today and tried to convey what it means to love destiny, how it felt to give my 19-month-old child back to her biological parents how it felt when they could not overcome their struggles and she came back to us. I tried to explain how it felt to hold her when the night terrors took over or what it does to a parent to put your screaming child into a car and make her go visit with people she is afraid of. What it means to say goodbye to your baby not knowing if you will ever see her again. How do you explain what it feels like to walk in the door after not seeing your baby for six months not knowing what happened and not even really being sure you want to know. To think who tucked her in, who answered her cry. Did anyone know what she wanted? Did anyone care? Will she ever forgive me? To see her sleeping peacefully on your daughter's chest and think, my miracle, my God, my second chance. I am her foster mother. In legal terms, I mean nothing. But to destiny, I am mama. And to me, she's my baby. In front of a judge who will never meet her, but will decide her fate. Without breaking down, without giving too much information so the other side could twist my words. Looking at the woman who gave birth to her, to the father who clearly loves her, and say, you cannot be her parents. But knowing all along that you must reconcile that feeling, their anger, with the eventuality that she will need or want to know her life story, all of it, without your filter, that she is entitled to know it. I had her picture in my lap to remind me why I needed to be strong, because she cannot speak for herself, because I must do my best to speak for her. I hope I did not fail her. In a month or so, they will declare a winner to this case. It is not likely Destiny will legally belong to a family before she is five. For all of you who have had the same story unfold in the child welfare system, and there are many, for all of you who are challenged, changed, or in any way touched by what you have now witnessed firsthand or heard about here, please do not let it stop with this. I am surrounded by smart, loving, talented, and powerful friends. Use whatever means you have to change this. Support candidates who will fully fund Child Protective Services. Lobby for laws that push for permanency for children and put the needs of children front and center in the system built to protect them. Support child advocates who make a difference. Don't know where to start? Donate to your state's court-appointed special advocates program. When a child is placed in foster care, you, the residents of that state, are legally his or her parents. Do for the least of your children 
as you would for your own. Well, thank you so much, Christine. There is so much of that that I relate to, um, having adopted from the foster care system myself. All right, Matthias, are we ready for our listener question? Yes. Okay, this one is a doozy. Um, She says, my husband has concerns, air quotes, about having a vasectomy, and his concerns are getting on my nerves. We are definitely done having kids. We are both 40. My husband would prefer not to have someone, quote unquote, messing around down there, to which I have all the eye rolls because pregnancy and childbirth. He's also having a hard time parting with his fertility. I just don't get this one because we are done having kids. And in the interest of full disclosure, yes, I did ask him if he was afraid he'd want to have more babies with a young second wife someday. And he was appalled that I was even asking. Long story short, he's just dragging his feet, won't commit to moving forward, learning more about the procedure or anything. And I'm sick and tired of worrying about contraception. So who has a great watertight argument for me that will convince him or just commiseration? Let me tell you, I've heard this a lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I just have this theory that all men should get vasectomies. Like, it should just be a required, like, at 18. Just, like... <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. Or, or, or earlier than that. 16, even. If I could like... give it to my sons. No, I'm just kidding. But I do. It is a bummer. Side note, yes. that there is not like an IUD type option for men. 100%. Because I would absolutely be giving it to my children. Well, yeah. Like, I mean. It's Something that was, you know, reversible would be nice. 100%. Well, our vasectomies are reversible. That's true. Well, that's true, but it doesn't always work. True. And it's a surgical procedure. I mean, you've, you've cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't look at it as reversible, but I think in situations like this where you're really done with having kids and there's no, you know, you're not still in conversation, you know that you're both done and it's really just a matter of feet dragging and not wanting to do it because it's uncomfortable. <sighs> um, I just think it's unfair. It's yeah. It's leaving the burden of discomfort and mental load on women right? to have to be responsible for birth control. And, you know, a vasectomy, yes, it's an uncomfortable procedure for maybe two days, mm-hmm. maybe two days of discomfort, I will give you, you're going to have two down days. But like, female contraception is uncomfortable. Yeah. And it involves hormones. Right. And, and it's not just two days. It's like a lifetime of being uncomfortable, having to remember things. It all requires a prescription. Mm-hmm. So I just don't have a lot of patience for men in this situation, to yeah. be honest. What do you I mean, think? I, I mean, what do you think no, as a man? I'm, like, I mean. Well, I'm right there. With, I mean, I'm right there with you, Kristen. And I think, yeah. I mean, like this idea. I mean, I don't understand. I think this is because I'm I'm queer. Like that that idea of like fertility <laughs> being yeah. something to need to hang on to. Like I just don't get it because I think I've that ship has sailed in some ways, um, in in my life not fully, but like yeah. So, like, it would make sense to me <laughs> that a man would have this procedure, um, especially if you're done having kids Mm -hmm. if that doesn't really seem like something that's going to be on the table anymore like just do it like yeah 
it's it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Um, maybe I'm missing something, but. I mean, I don't want to go all like Lysistrata, but to me, if I was in a relationship where a man wouldn't do it, I think I would just be like, cool, then we'll just hold off on having sex. Yeah. <laughs> like. Right. I mean, great. You don't want to play. You don't get to play. Like. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I'm a person for whom contraception, like I, I didn't do well on the pill, you know, um, who wants to use condoms if you don't have to, right? You know, you're in a committed relationship. Oh my gosh, I have friends who have used condoms like ten years after deciding they were done with having kids, and I'm like, what? Yeah, why? Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. monogamous, that's the bonus, right? That's the prize, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the prize of monogamy, not having to use condoms. Yep. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, I don't know. I would probably have some very serious talks about boundaries and sex life and all of that. Totally. I mean, it is really unfair. Like, and, and even the fact that, I mean, she's asking for a watertight argument to try to convince him. Like, yeah. that feels kind of icky to me, too. Like, in that you have to present this watertight case um <laughs> yeah i don't know i think the watertight case might be like then you we don't have sex right totally yeah <laughs> like that feels pretty watertight to me <laughs> i mean i don't know and that's you know that's not a great solution because no. i also think like not having sex is a punishment for yes. the female too you know 100%. like 100 percent. yeah we should yep. all be able to enjoy sex with our partners but mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Get it together. Because I also think, like, you're just going to have more free sex, too. When, right. you know, when you take away the concern of birth control. Yeah. When nobody's worried right. about getting pregnant, like, that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, okay. Real answer is I think that this would be worth a trip to a, a marriage counselor. That's my real answer. Yeah, because it seems like there's some deeper stuff at stake. Yeah, or just to have a third party, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of shoot some holes in, you know, because it's 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 irrational fears really that's holding men back, generally speaking. Sure. Don't you think? Irrational fears and irrational ideas of virility. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. For our psych and pop culture question, I saw something on TikTok, big surprise. Mm. Um, that I thought was really interesting. It was a woman who was asking a que- the question of, um, is coaching, life coaching, a new form of an MLM or like a pyramid scheme? And I'm going to yeah. play the audio of this because I just thought it was really interesting. Okay. So here's what she says. It's Tuesday. Then I don't explain myself any further. Coaches, coaching coaches to coach coaches are the new MLM pyramid scheme with no oversight that are usually just lost white women coaching other lost white women who would probably both benefit from just being in therapy. From therapists who went to school for a long time with lots of oversight, unlike coaches. Okay. What do we think? Oh my gosh. I have been thinking this, saying this yeah. for years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Say more. Say more. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Like, okay. So I want a caveat. Mm -hmm. I currently am working with a coach. I think there are incredible coaches 
out there. You're working with a coach in addition to seeing a therapist? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the body image, health at every size. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Yes. That coach who has, done, who has done training. Yes. She's not a therapist, though. She's a coach. And mm-hmm. so I think like there, there's always an exception. There are really good coaches who Absolutely. are committed to training. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. All of that to say, there are so many people who are out there who are like, oh, I can make money by being a quote unquote coach who have no life experience, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no training, no, I mean, some people don't even have (laughs) self-awareness. Yeah. If like, it feels like a money grab, it makes me so upset. Yeah. I I mean, like I'm going off on tangents now, but like, no, no. And I have said the same thing. I mean, I said on Twitter a couple months ago, like, I would just like to see one pastor leave the ministry and go into a regular job instead of being a life coach. Like, we, every former pastor can't just become a life coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think. And I think this girl's point is interesting, too. And I'm also seeing this phenomenon. It's not just that people are going into life coaching. It's that they're going into coaching other people to become life coaches. It's this whole – It's that, and that is the MLM thing, right, where Mm -hmm. it's not even really that there's a product. It's that you're enlisting other people in a business model. And I'm seeing that happening a lot, too. Like, take my course on life coaching. You can be your own boss. You can have your own coaching business. Right. From people who, I mean, my guess is probably don't have their own coaching clients. It's not working out well. So then they decided, I'll teach other people how to be a coach. Right. Like Right. <laughs> okay, so just to give practical, like let's 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 give practical feedback here instead of just rolling our eyes, which I'm prone to do. How would someone know if a life coach is good? Yeah, so I mean, one of my biggest things of hiring anyone. I mean, this goes for therapists as well. Although there are, of course, things therapists have to do to become therapists, but like, has that person? actually walked the path that Mm -hmm. they're saying they're going to be able to help you walk Mm -hmm. um so like if you're hiring a life coach and i've seen this even with some of my friends you know who are like in their 20s becoming coaches and like this broad general sense of life coach yeah when they haven't done anything yeah like and like that feels like a red flag to me like hire someone who has actually done or has been trained in, significantly trained in, what you are wanting. That feels like the first step to me. Yeah. I would also caution against, like, I would really be looking at why did this person enter the field of life coaching? And did they enter it because they don't have any other skills? Yeah. Is Did they enter it because they want influence? Which I, and I'm, I know this sounds very cynical, but it's true. I just have truly watched so many pastors leave the ministry, recognize they don't have any marketable skills, and decide they're going to be a life coach because they're used to people listening to them. They don't have the humility to go get a real job, um, you know, and they don't have anything else to do. Like, I would be very wary of people who've entered the field because they can't figure out a real job. As opposed to someone who enters the field because they have a real passion 
for life coaching totally. or they have some experience that brought them there. Right. And and I think like a, another place would be what kind of accountability structures do they have yes. set up for them? Like th- those places of uh, are they in supervision or are they in consultation with uh-huh. other people? Um who are they listening to? Who are, yeah, who's in their community? Um, and is there something set up in a way of like, you know, because like we both know working with people, no matter how good you are, is messy. <laughs> it's always messy and things always get prompted for you. Do you have people? Do those people have people <laughs> yeah. to be able to come to when those things inevitably get messy? Or are they just yeah. trying to? go it alone, which is going to mess everything up. Yeah. I mean, there needs to have been some kind of formal education and formal certification, I would think. I also tend to think life coaching should be specific. Like it should be issue specific. Like you're going to one issue specific around, you know, healthy views of body image and eating and all of that. Right. Um, Another example that I see that's very successful would be like sober coaching, where you have someone who has you know, done their time in the 12-step community and is now coaching other people to stay sober. Um, But I just feel like when it's just general life help, relationship help, then I start to get concerned that like this should be dealt with by a licensed therapist. Yes. You know, coaching should be, I don't know, issue specific, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I think – yeah, like if like business coaching and whatever. Yeah. Like as long as you're go- uh, going to someone coaching. who's actually walked that path, <laughs> who actually knows, you know, how to kind of who has experienced like a level of success or, you know, whatever your metrics are, mm-hmm. like that's great. But yeah. you know, like relational coaching or some of those places of where like you know, like that's like therapists are trained in relationships. <laughs> yeah. <is. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very trained, like years and years and years of understanding family of origin stuff and attachment stuff. And, you know, if you're seeing a relationship coach who is just going to be giving you platitudes that they read in a book. Right. It's just going to be limiting and potentially harmful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk more about coaching in the Selfie Community Group. I think it would be interesting to hear other people's experiences of coaching. And we just caution all of our listeners against signing up for the very expensive seminar on how to become your own boss babe life coach, because it's probably a scam. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 